What's up, independent insurance agents? Are you finally fed up with the massive amounts of time, money, resources being allocated to customer service within your agency? Is this causing your agency growth and revenue to become stagnant or even decline? The answer to this frustration is Glovebox, the premier mobile and web self-servicing solution made by successful independent insurance agents just like us, specifically for independent insurance agencies. Guys, this is the only platform with direct carrier connections. Glovebox gives your clients the power to engage within their writing carriers and you, their agency, in a single, easy-to-use platform. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast and get 20% off of your monthly subscription for life, guys. For life. This isn't an intro deal. This is for life. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today. Thanks. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce to you three outstanding guests to the podcast. First, hailing from San Antonio, Texas, he is the agency owner of Robertson Insurance Group. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand and welcome Mr. Aaron Robertson. How are you, Aaron? Brother, doing fantastic. Glad to be here. Second guest, he lives, hails, and works in Irvine, California. He is the agency owner of Great Park Insurance. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the incomparable Mr. Daniel Song. How are you, Daniel? Honored and excited, my friend. Dude, that is fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, my third guest on the IGP. He hails from Springfield, Illinois, agency owner of Bailey Family Insurance. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Mark Bailey. How are you, Mark? Buddy, better than I've ever been right now. Guys, this is a testimony to how stupid Scott Howell is. On Veterans Day, I had the idea that we needed to do a Veterans Day podcast. And I could not think of three men that I would rather be on this podcast with to do that than the three of you. Some people may be saying, why is that? Because the four people that you have on this podcast, insurance agents from around the world, all served in the United States Marine Corps. And I wanted them to come on today, not only to honor each one of them for their service to our great country, but also to talk about lessons learned in the Marine Corps from the standpoint of leadership, from the standpoint of stories to be told. I think it's important now more than ever that we hear from men like Mark Bailey that served in combat areas and, and, and Aaron and Daniel and myself and the, the lessons that we learned in an organization that's been around a long time and has it dialed in. You talk about processes and procedures. Marine Corps got some processes and procedures. So let me start with Daniel, since he's the first on my screen to my right here, his left. Daniel, let's talk for just a minute about when you went in the Corps, how long you served, what's your MOS. Guys, if you don't understand, MOS is a just code name for job that you did in the Marine Corps. Go ahead, Daniel. So I went after right after high school. So I graduated high school in 1998, and I think it was June 15th. I want to say probably about five days later, I was on the bus to MCRD San Diego, never been away from home in my life. And we're going down for 13 weeks and I served four years. And my first duty station was Okinawa, Japan. And I was there for a year. 
greatest time of my life. Again, I was 19 years old, maybe 18, and never been away from home, and I'm thousands of miles away. Uh, but it was a great experience for me. I met so many good people that I still keep in contact today. And I think that's the great thing about the Marine Corps is that it's a friendship that kind of lasts forever. But no, it was, a, it was a great time. And then my last two years, two and a half years, I was fortunate enough to be at MC or uh, Miramar, San Diego, where I met my lovely wife, Christina. And uh, my MOS, you know, I, I tell my kids, I, I can't really talk about it because it's top secret. But I, I, you know what I, my job, I was always with the support base. So I was always, and then Miramar is the wing. So I was admin, you know, I, I basically made sure tough guys like you guys, the real Marines got paid when you were out there, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I was, I had a great, great time. I loved every minute of it. That's fantastic. Mark Bailey, let's hear your story, brother. Well, buddy, uh, I guess mine's a typical Marine Corps story, too. I was a, a, a troubled kid, uh, you know, going going nowhere fast, not a traditional education kind of guy. And so, you know, it just it came down to I always love challenges. I love team sports. I love to lead, um, you know, bouncing in between, uh, you know, vocational schools and back to back to high school when it was time to play football again. Uh, but in 2005, man, I, I think I'm I always knew I, I wanted to be a Marine, I wanted to be in the military. It was just you know, something that, you know, was in the back of my head and it was, it was college or, um, or who knows, you know, just keep, keep, I was working at a boat yard, um, you know, hauling boats from central Illinois to wherever. Uh, and then, you know, I uh, went down to the recruiter's office uh, and I just knew it. I said, you know, well, they asked me what we wanted to do. And I said, man, I just want to do what's on the, on the, you know, on the commercials, right. I, I want to be that guy. I want to kick indoors, uh, you know, but I also want to, you know, help countries around the world, it, you know, just become structured again, you know, help the people that need us the most. And I, you know, I honestly think that was the biggest transition to the insurance is, you know, that, that sense of pride, the sense of helping. Uh, and then, so I joined in 2005, 2007, did my first tour to Ramadi, Iraq. At that point, uh, you know, we were beginning the, the pullout uh, from that. Well, then it was President Obama uh, was in office. So it was a, uh, it was a pretty stressful time. It was a lot like what you think when you hear Ramadi, Iraq. So got done with that appointment, uh, that deployment. I decided to extend my contract to about four and a half years to go on my second deployment. My second deployment was uh, really all over the world. Um, you know, jumped on a ship, kind of did quick reaction for uh, some of the you know, secret squirrel groups um, and, uh, and then landed back home. At that point, I had pretty much done everything or accomplished everything I had set out to do, you know, during my initial promise to myself and uh, kind of, you know, jumped out of the Marine Corps. And then we'll kind of go into uh, what, what launched me into insurance here in a bit. Mark, how many guys did y'all lose in Ramadi? Well, five in Ramadi. One was standing right to my left. Uh, but then since we've been home is probably the biggest factor. Yes. Uh, we're up to 25, you know, brothers that we have lost, um, due to their own demons and their own battles, Yep. you know, not saying that, you know, and the biggest stigma, I think going around for people that, you know, aren't in the military listening to this, your PTSD, you know, is, is a real thing. You know, no matter if you were in a car accident, no matter if you had a troubled childhood, you know, no matter if you, you know, you've seen your, your brothers, sisters die, it's a chemical imbalance and it's a switch that goes off. And so as you guys hear us talking about all this stuff, you know, our issues, our problems, they're relevant to yours, right? We, you know, we're, we're all in this battle together. Um, and, you know, hopefully you're kind of hearing some of our stories, but just know that, you know, our, the things that we went through are, are very similar to yours. So I always like to preface that, you know, when everybody's like, oh, we, you know, you've got problems or, you know, I, I can't relate to that. You can, it, it, we're all, we're all in this fight together. It's, it's called daily grind. That's right. Hey, Aaron Robertson, tell us your story, brother. 
Well, so I grew up in a family that went to the Marine Corps. So my dad was a Vietnam Marine. My uncle was a Vietnam Marine. And ever since I could see the the pictures, understand the, and grasp what a Marine was, I wanted to be a Marine. I remember telling my dad that I was, was going to be a Marine one day after he you know, tried to explain to a four or five-year-old what it was. And that's something I never really lost uh, grasp of. It kind of worked out that I wasn't a very good student. <laughs> so uh it kind of played itself together. Maybe, I, maybe I, uh, I think uh, that, ha- I think that happens a lot, Aaron. Yeah. 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 So, uh, but you know, uh, I've, I've said Marines all my life. Uh, my dad, uh, being a Marine forced me to go talk to the army recruiter, the Navy recruiter, uh, the air force recruiter. And after they were all done trying to throw money at me, I looked at him. I said, are we done? Can we can I go sign my contract now? I, I mean, I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, so I left, uh, to, uh, MCRD San Diego, which is um, San Diego, California, where all the we call that Hollywood Marines. So we're Hollywood <laughs> Marines. So uh, went out there, did the boot camp, uh, and went to uh, uh, got my MOS as a combat engineer. So we put in put in uh, uh, minefields, took out minefields. We worked a lot of explosives. So all the all the Bangalore torpedoes and the the uh, breaching and stuff like that. That's that's what we did. Line charges, all that stuff. We did all that. So. If there was something need to be blew up, that's what we get called in. So I was stationed with 5th Marines at uh, 1st Combat Engineer Battalion. I did two pumps out of there, two Westpac floats. I was above on the uh, USS Peleliu and the USS Bonham Richard before the bombing or the fire. Um, so that one's actually just got decommissioned, and it was a brand new ship when I got on it. So short, le- short le- life on the tricky dick there. But uh, yeah, I, I got promoted really quick. Um, I uh, loved everything about the Marine Corps, learned a lot about leadership learned the strengths that I was good at a lot more that I wasn't good at and how to hone that. Uh, but, uh, got out of the Marine Corps, uh, just before nine 11 happened. So I think I'm next to Scott, the most senior Marine here. So, yep. uh, I love everything I do about the Marine Corps. I would do it all over again, 10 times out of 10, no regrets at all. Fantastic. Well, my story is about like all of yours. Uh, I had a, I had my grandfather, uh, served at Pearl Harbor was there, the day that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And I've told this story, not on the podcast, but to people in the industry before, but he was asleep in his barracks, was awoken. They were attached to an airfield. So they were scraping the airfield, blowing up planes. And he and some of his buddies, I I don't know who had this idea, but they ran out of their barracks and went over to like an area where they worked on Humvees and Jeeps and stuff like that. They had like a, like an oil change bay inside this building where they worked on those vehicles. And they all just dove into the oil change bay, which, you know, is about like a storm shelter, really. I mean, if you've ever, everybody's had their oil changed, you you know, concrete floor. And then, so they were in there and I don't know if the building they were in actually got hit or not, but he was a Pearl Harbor survivor. I had a great uncle his name was Clarence Duke that died on the USS Johnson. And I like to think that he died suddenly and not eaten by sharks. Uh, one of the horrific things I've learned just in reading about these guys that got killed on these ships when they were out in uh, fighting in World War II is at that time, we didn't know anything about sharks back then, right? I mean, this is back a long time ago. But back then, I guess the Navy was training there, uh, people that were on these ships that if you fell in the water or if you got, you know, blown into the water, or you had to jump into the water, 
that you started kicking and flailing your feet. So a lot of those guys that died did not know that to a shark, you know, that's pre- at that time they didn't know to a shark. That's like the dinner bell, right? Something's flailing in the water. We need to go eat it. And of course, you know, once one would get bitten and then the blood would start coming up to the water, it was just like a feeding frenzy. But I don't know how he died, uh, whether that was in the water that I think they had on the USS Johnson, something like 90, 100 guys that got eaten in the water. And then there, a lot of people died just from the, the attack on the boat itself. But I went into the Marine Corps in May of uh 1995 i went i was the only one of the four of us that went to paris island and served 13 weeks there then school of infantry then i went to uh what we call gunslinger school which was uh anti-terrorism school in chesapeake virginia to be in security forces my mos was 0351 dragon gunner which is now i believe the predator and the javelin is what they they call them bunker busters they so anti tank missile wire guided that you can put in a you know point it towards a cave or a window or or whatever and you push the plunger and boom there it goes uh my b billet was was demolitions so i had a lot of demolition training we used to blow stuff up all the time and i went to london to serve across the street from the embassy at the headquarters for all naval activity in europe that's where we bounced calm from the u.s back over to the mediterranean and I was selected to go through, uh, at my 12-month mark, the uh, British Royal Marine Boot Camp. And that's a long story, but it was a pissing contest between their commandant and my senior officer there. And uh, I did that for, a lot, it was either 11 or 12 weeks and graduated. Uh, wanted to go, rather than come back to the U.S. with the American Marines, I wanted to go serve with a um, British Royal Marine unit but the state department would not allow me to do that because if something were to happen back then the irish republican army was still blowing up downtown london i've got a story about that i can tell but uh they said no so i got my pick of duty stations and i chose uh california originally chose hawaii and got on the phone with a friend of mine that was a marine out there and he was like don't go to hawaii don't come here and I'm like, why? And he's like, because a cheeseburger here at McDonald's costs $12. <laughs> and you're not going to have the money to come out here. So I went to 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. We went on float. Twenty, I think we were the 27th Marine Expeditionary Unit. I was on the Bella Wood. And we did about eight months in Okinawa, Camp Hanson. So, uh, but it was a lot of fun. And it was, uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Mark said something a minute ago that really resonated with me. Had one dear friend commit suicide nearly in front of me while we were in London. And that's been hard on all of us that were there. Lost a lot of friends since we've gotten out. Uh, My best friend in the Marine Corps was killed six months after he got out, which was he'd just come to visit me in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Went back to Reno, Nevada. He was working on a uh, road construction crew. Fell asleep at the wheel of one of those rollers that rolls asphalt, and it rolled over on him and killed him about a year after we both got out. But I've lost a lot of guys, too, that I served with, just PTSD, demons, stuff they can't shake, and it's it's always hard. I, I think there was one that, that passed away uh, maybe a, about a month ago with somebody I served with. Didn't know him real well, but I remembered his face. 
But it's very hard when you lose those guys when they come back home, and it happens more frequently than people talk about. But today I want to talk to you guys and let's all learn together and teach these insurance agents the things that we learned in the Marine Corps that will stick with us for the rest of our life. Daniel Song, leadership, what have we learned? Well, being 19, 18 years old, and, you know, my, my parents were always around. So, and they were always there to, you know, raise us and, you know, teach us lessons. But it's just like my kids now. When, when I try to give them golden nuggets, daily nuggets, yep. even in the car today. You know, there's a, there's a lot of friends texting there because it's raining. Today's a real, you know, it's coming down pretty good today. And there's a lot of friends that's not going to school because it's raining. So I, I, I was talking to the kids about, hey, listen, you know, it's about consistency and, and winning every day, taking little steps every single day closer to your goals. And the minute I open my mouth and get on my little soapbox, you know, they ask, daddy, please stop, please stop. Right. So I, but I never had that growing up. You know, my, my parents, they loved us and taught us in different ways. But when I got into the Marine Corps, I truly, I, I was able to visualize what hard work meant, right. what commitment meant, dedication, you know, mission accomplishment, right? It does not matter, you know, what you have to do. You just got to get it done. So that was a real eye-opening experience for me. And, and just being a, a private first class, Lance Corporal, Corporal, and just having a structured way of learning systems and procedures. And I probably can't pinpoint everything that I took away, but those things really impacted my life. I was a knucklehead and I didn't get in trouble a lot, but I just, you know, and this is the perfect phrase to define or describe me as a kid. I was double dumb. Right. You know, I just, man, I just, and I, and I learned that in the core, right? Just you're double dumb, but I just, cause I did, I didn't know how to study really. You know, I, I, I just didn't know how to study like all, a lot of my friends, man, it's like, they just, they pick up a book and they're just, you know, they know what to do. I didn't know that, but getting in the core, it just gave me clear direction of being laser focused on what I was going to achieve. And it has you know, I, I, I owe everything to the core. Yep. All the lessons that I learned of how to be a good dad, a good son, a good friend, a good brother. I learned everything in the core. That's beautiful. Mark Bailey, what you got, sir? But I think to, to caveat off, to caveat off that is it's almost ignorance, right? Like turn gumming from the Marine Corps to, you know, owning a business, right? Nobody told me I couldn't do something. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, well, well, how are you doing the systems and processes? You know, how are, you know, are you making this video? How are you, you know, doing all this? And it's, nobody told me I couldn't, right. You know, it's, it's just sitting down and, and getting it done where I think, you know, a lot of people just think about it too long, you know, like, where do I even start? Well, it's, you know, that it's almost, you know, in the Marine Corps, it's like, I don't care how you do it, just do it. Right. Yeah. You know, like a, you know, a, a bad decision now is better than a good decision 20 minutes from now, because, in the, you know, in the Marine Corps, it could cost a life. Right. You know, making, you know, a decision or not making a decision. So I think that that's really something that has resonated with me the, in, you know, the entire time of being out is just do it right? and, you know, do something now. And if it fails, what, I've never learned anything more in my life, any better lessons than failing. And, you know, and I can tell you what, I'll probably fail 10 more times today, but you know, with, with that being said, um, not only that, I think the, another big lesson I learned was 
leadership is a lonely job. You know, it, you know, as you get promoted, you know, in the Marine Corps, as you get promoted, you know, in the civilian life, you, you lose friends. Right. And, and then more pressures on you. And there's, there's no more smoking and joking, right. With, with your boys or, you know, you can with your team members, but it also has to come with a, a level of professionalism. And, you know, and I, I think that, you know, once you, you, you get over that home, because, you know, for, for those of us that were captive prior to coming independent, right. Independent is a lonely world that, you know, where you're out here by yourself, you're trying to figure it out, you know, you get the, you know, the, the social anxiety from, from, you know, social media and seeing, well, man, that guy's got it all together, but you know, you don't know. And, and so I think, you know, a couple of the traits that I, I really love was, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable because, you know, leadership is a lonely world. Right. And, and just, just getting the job done. Um, I think one of the best feedback though, I got real quick from my employees is Mark, like we love you, but you know, we're not Marines. Uh, and, right. and that's really what shifted my leadership mentality. You know, one, one book that I recommend real quick to everybody uh, is I love it here, right. Where it kind of talks about a, a different perspective of employees and, you know, somebody that went and polled, you know, many, you know, fortune, you know, 100 companies and said that, you know, the big CEO might thinks he knows what's going on, but, but you honestly have no idea. And so, you know, just, you know, again, just like you guys said, I, I owe everything to the core, you know, it, it shaped me and molded me, you know, and, and also it helped, you know, get my ignorance from, you know, being uneducated to, to being a thirst for knowledge now. I would agree with that. Right. Aaron Robertson talked to us. Man, before this podcast, I got my little photo album out, I was looking back, kind of jogs and memories back to the Marine Corps. And just like these guys are saying, it astonishes you now as a almost 44 year old man, what the hell I did when I was 19 or 20. Like, how was I not sore for two months or right. things like that? But I think the, the human body's willingness to persevere and mind to per, ter, persevere through things that are stressful, right? Uh, mentally and physically stressful. Uh, it gives me a, a, a appreciation for what we've been designed to do mentally and, and physically with our bodies. As we get away from the Marine Corps, we get away from uh, the the military, get into a personal life. We forget that, that, hey, man, you know, I've been doing flutter kicks until I thought my head was going to explode, but I still kept doing them. How the hell do I do that? Same thing here applies is that, you know, there's what we call white noise, which, you know, in the Marine Corps, you'd call that be a fog of war that happens around you but the mission accomplishment has to be it has to get done in our in our world that's you know selling insurance policies i think from a from a leadership perspective you know my dad was a marine and he had an authoritative but loving way of leading me uh and then when you get in the marine corps the first leaders you see are who your your drill instructors well they have a very authoritative of way of doing it right i mean there's there's no hey what do you think about this it is a very authoritative well you you apparent and adopt that style but when you start looking around we all have the damn same damn rank on our collar mm-hmm. what am i going to tell you i'm a senior lance corporal what the hell does that mean nothing you know so uh learning i guess how to treat someone not an authoritative but a persuasive manner or maybe able to bit of a mix and be able to move that style dynamically from one person to the next has been my greatest challenge. I, and I know me and me and Scott's talked this before, you can't knife hand and yell at everybody. The things that Scott has said to me, I would laugh at and think they're hilarious. And I expected that reaction versus he said that to somebody else, he's getting an HR complaint, they're fired and all kind of stuff. You can't do that same style for everybody. Right. I enjoy that style. I like the David Goggins in your face things. Yeah. That ain't for everybody. So right. I guess being flexible about my, my leadership style is what I learned most uh, about business from the Marine Corps. So 
Aaron Robertson, I could not agree more with everything you just said. Things I learned in the Marine Corps. Number one, it helped me mature. When I went into the Marine Corps, I was fun time Scott and didn't really know what I wanted to do in my life. I knew that I had family members that had served and I wanted to to do the same thing in, in a lot of ways. But more importantly, I think I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to be. I didn't know what my occupation needed to be. And I felt like that was going to be an opportunity for me to kind of grow up in the Marine Corps. And, and I did. It's hard not to. I will say this about the Marine Corps. It teaches you how to work with and be friends with a lot of different people from all over the country, different races, different ethnicities, different demographic backgrounds. I mean, you'll be in a platoon of guys and the majority of them are from all over the place. So it kind of teaches you, I think for most of us, we were just, I think Daniel said it earlier about just being in your little spot of the world. And then you get in the Marine Corps and you realize the world's a lot bigger than you thought it was. And you realize that, hey, you know, this guy that's from East L.A. that used to be a gangbanger, he's a pretty cool guy. He's a pretty cool guy. I would not have known that had I stayed in Alabama and not ever gone in the Marine Corps. So I think there's some advantages there. Now, I will also say, and Mark Bailey and I have had this conversation, the biggest challenge I had when I got out of the Marine Corps and started working in the real world was being empathetic and not just jumping on people with both feet, especially females. I was reprimanded on multiple occasions on multiple jobs I had before I got in the insurance career about Scott. You can't do that. You can't talk to her like that. Uh, that was something that I had a real challenge with for a long time was just that mentality of mission accomplishment. We got to get this done. Here's what you do. Get it done. Why can't you do it? You know, that kind of thing. So that was something that I had to really break free from when I got out of the Marine Corps. I think the Marine Corps, it teaches people a lot of lessons. And if you really sit back and watch, the Marine Corps has been around for a long time. Insurance agents from around the world talk all the time about process, procedures. Buddy, if you want to see processes, go to Paris Island or what is it, MCRD in San Diego and watch. That That thing's like a it, it's like a Broadway show in terms of they've got the processes and procedures dialed down to the nth degree. Daniel, would you agree with that? I, I do. I, I would agree. I mean, even even from I, I remember in boot camp and I was shocked by this and I was so scared by this. Even when we went to the chow hall, they had a way for us to get information, walk in the chow hall, pick up your tray and how to move throughout that chow line, just like everybody else. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, I really implemented here. And I had a hard time with this. And it wasn't so much talking to females because, you know, I was around a lot of females here. Uh, when, I, when I was in on the wing. But one of the difficult things that I had to deal with or learn how to do is handle excuses from people a little bit softer. Yep. Empathy. And empathy. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys when I'm in, I'm in. When I'm out, I'm out. Don't talk to me about it. I don't want to hear about it. I just, but when I'm in, I'm in. 
So I'm one of those guys, man. And I would give up, I would give them an example like this. I said, listen, you know, if your sales, your sales numbers are not there this month, they would give me all the excuses in, in, in the world, right? How busy they are, they're trying. And I said, listen, if somebody were to put a gun to your kid's head <laughs> and said, if you don't do this, this, and that, and they looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah. But if that was really the case, you would do whatever you need to do. To, to make sure that that didn't happen. Right. But that's my mentality. I went to that level and I said, I don't know anything about this insurance business. I don't know a single soul. I don't know what renewals, if it's really true or not, I'm just going to make this work. Mm. And I had a mentality and that was almost, that was really the case for me where we didn't eat if we couldn't sell a policy. And I, this home policy that we sold, I could, I, I already spent that money. That $30 commission, I already spent it for next month. And I knew exactly what grocery store and what we were buying with that. So it was just no excuse. I'm going to make it happen. It's all on my shoulders. I planted my flag and I'm going to go with it. Yep. Mark, would you like to add to that? Well, buddy, I mean, it, it, it is. And like one of the biggest things is it's just continuously learning, you know, it, you know, everything, you know, in the military, right, is is periods of instruction. Right. You know, you didn't walk into the military learning how to to break down every single gun. You didn't walk into the military, you know, knowing every single system to use and knowing, you know, and then it's it's trying to make sure everybody's in you know, almost like the civilian sector is, you know, playing for themselves. Right. And so it's a, trying to adapt like a a true team member mentality. Right. Because the Marine Corps, the United States military in general does not work or function without that other portion, right? right? You know, everything from, they got to get paid, they got to eat, right? And you know, that somebody's got to fix my vehicle to, you know, somebody's got to kick in that door. It, it's all unity together. And I feel like, you know, when you start getting excuses from, you know, one section or the other section, it's just, you know, it's, you know, this isn't, a, you know, one section versus the other, it's it's unified, right? We all have to come together to to accomplish this next mission. And, you know, early on in my career, I just was dumbfounded, you know? It's, it you know, it was, almost getting to the point where I was like, what am I doing wrong, you know, as a leader? And, but then, you know, truly having to adapt to today's culture. And, you know, and that's, once I've gotten to that mentality that, Hey, this is in the military, you know, things got up, you know, people don't, people didn't go to boot camp. This wasn't ingrained in them, but then I'm always holding myself. It's like, well, why can't you get this done? Well, I'm tired. Like I'm, I got to figure this out. I always want to go back to Aaron said it, David Goggins and say, you know, but you know, once you're, you think you're done, you still got 40% left in that tank. You just scratch the surface. And I want to tell that to my friends, my family, everybody I talk to, every client, every new business I'm starting out with, like you got more in there, right? And you know, your mind, it's just like a muscle. You got to callous it over. And you know, you're going to lift more, you know, the next time you do it. And when I'm when I'm pumping this motivation into them, you know, and sometimes it's just not going anywhere, you know, it, it's kind of hard to to see that. And you know, and I, but the one thing I'm realizing, and I realized in boot camp, I realized in Ramadi, I realized in, you know, in life in general is one thing's consistent that that sun's going to rise again tomorrow and, and it's a new day. Right. And, you know, that's a new whole new start to, you know, pushing this needle forward, coming together as a team. So leave that trash at the door and, and let's pick up where we left off, uh, you know, and, and kind of keep going there. But, but again, you know, employees got to want it too. One thing I remember about the Marine Corps, and I think they're probably the only branch of the service that does as much of this is probably more of this than any other branch is when you get to boot camp and the first night you stand on the yellow footprints and they're yelling and screaming, you go inside, you fill out all this paperwork, takes like an hour or two to fill out this paperwork. They shave your head. 
<laughs> so you lose all of your individuality. And by the way, if you really want to piss the drill instructors off, come to boot camp with a Marine Corps haircut. That really makes them happy when you do that. Or, or tattoo. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or tat. Yeah. They, they, they love that. But real quickly in boot camp, starting day number two, I believe, they really put a lot of emphasis on learning the history of the Marine Corps. Chesty Puller, you know, all the Marines that came before you. And they're teaching you that culture. They're teaching you about all these people that came before you and the things that they did. And I can visually in my mind right now, I can think about sitting in a school circle and listening to a drill instructor talk about these, these Marines that came before you, what I call storybook Marines. And I think that's another piece of the Marine Corps that probably other branches of the service don't have as much of that uh tradition if you will aaron you're pretty good at this speak to that for a minute ofa may johnson smedley butler dan daly jesse puller man you're throwing out some names brother hey i got some goosebumps but yeah right here man right 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 get them so i'm with you you know i I don't think anybody unless you've been there kind of understands how we call it Barney style, potato head. They break it down. Yep. The first night, you're in a 300, if that, square foot shower with 85 or 90 of your newest, most closest friends nude. They're teaching you how to shower. Yep. <laughs> because the lowest common denominator is somebody who don't know or is never taught how to how to wash appropriately right they got to start there it goes back yep. to her scott say before he teaches this person how to unlock the door that's how you do it yep. and that process in the military is replicable right because yes. we have as scott says the history of of winning wars and uh, kicking ass and taking names so we've done that before so as an insurance agent especially like someone in my my position who's never done this before i i all I knew about insurance when I started is that I had to pay it once a month, and that was my uh, my truck insurance. Yep. So I don't know what success looks like. I don't know what I'm supposed to air quotes be doing. I have to observe what's around me and 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 take notes from people uh, on this podcast and and you know Chris Paradiso and things like that. And God, if I can replicate a third of what those guys are doing, I I, I think my meter's going toward, okay, I'm doing well. But the truth is, is I don't know what I don't know, right. but I have to observe around me, have measurable goals. And I can say, okay, this is working. This is not working. Is my culture mm-hmm. in my agency what I want it to be? I'm not a buttoned up guy. I will never, Daniel, I love you. I will never wear a suit and tie unless someone's either getting sued or married. All right. I don't want to do that. My clientele don't want to do that. He pulls that off way better than I could anyway. Aaron Daniel said something to me the other day in an airport that really resonated with me. What's that? I said, Daniel, everybody wants to copy your professionalism. It's something agents in my office have mentioned to me about how professional Daniel is. Yep. And, and he looks at me and he kind of cocks his head to the side like, you know, a doll, a, 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 what is it I say, a calf looking at a new gate. And he said, Scott, you got to remember something. Authenticity trumps professionalism, and you've got to be yourself. Right. Absolutely. I, I think earlier in my insurance career, I had a, a manager, and he he told me, he's like, you know, I was being what I thought was a good leader. And, I, you know, I was, hey, I was leading from the front. And I told him, I said, hey, if you fire me, you're going to fire me from the front of my 
platoon, if you will. You're going to fire me with the top production out there. I'm going to open more new accounts, have more annual premium written than anybody, and you still may fire me, but you will fire me from the front of that son of a gun. Yep. So that's what I, I learned. But then he's like, hey, you need to be a kinder, more softer Aaron. And I, mm-hmm. I tried that for three or four months. It was the worst I've ever <laughs> done in my life. I hated it. I was trying to be coachable. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've had I've had that talk more than one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was trying, and you know, he was looking out for me, but I could not be, as Daniel just said, ungenuine. I can't be fake. Right. I am the same person here as I am in a conference or or where I'm the same guy. I don't cuss as much in public, but I'm you know I'm you know I'm the same guy. Right. Here's you know, another thing. You know oh, sorry. Go ahead. You know what's really interesting because I'm I'm. I don't know if I don't know if people are obviously on the podcast, they can't see this, or I don't know if on the YouTube channel, they're going to see this. You know what I noticed when we all speak? Um, it almost gives me give goosebumps talking about it. But man, I if you notice, we we all just get excited about talking about this, right? Being in a room together. I, I see the I see the genuineness, I see the excitement, and it it's it's funny because you know, I, I go to church on Sundays, right? But me and three other guys from church aren't, and that's what we have in common. We're not on a podcast together. I, I, I met Aaron at a Chris Paradiso event in San Antonio a couple of years ago, and we just happened to sit next to each other. And, you know, we were friendly, but the minute we found out that both of us are Marines, Instantly. I mean, we basically were inseparable from that minute yeah. on. Right. So, so they're just there's something about this brotherhood and sisterhood that's so special that nobody really understands if they're not in it. Right. Yep. But the the pure genuineness that comes out from us just talking about it. Right. And this was 20, 25 years ago, mm-hmm. at least or, or even more. So that's that's what I just I noticed. And I just had to share that because I'm, I'm looking at everybody's faces and where they're talking, man. I just see such emotion. And just, you know, it's, it's really something to see. And, you know, I think that's where it goes back to, you know, leadership, right? Like you're, you're pumped up because he's pumped up and, you know, and you get excited when, you know, when somebody else is, is excited and they're full of life and they're full of energy, you know, cause that, I mean, that I always say, and going back to authenticity is people don't leave people, people leave businesses. And when you yourself, you're not portraying, you know, to be somebody else, you know, and let's talk about insurance, your retention goes up. Right. Because you're attracting like minded individuals. And hopefully, you know, when you, you go into a room full of smarter people and, you know, and they see that and if they're not your style. Right. You don't want to do business with them anyway. And, and you know, you're not going to collab with them. And so I think, you know, one leadership, you know, just getting excited because we're talking about stuff that we're passionate about. We're talking about leading. We're talking about the correlation between the military and insurance and, and everything else. And, and, you know, and, and that's where it comes from being authentic, you know, be being, you know, and then being a leader. Right. And so I think that this is a, you know, kind of a, like a perfect segue. Hey, Daniel, you said something at the Paradiso event up in Hartford, Connecticut, that really resonated with me. And you said something, and I'm going to kind of shake your memory a little bit here, but you said, uh, I always try to hit the door at the front office every day with a sense of purpose, a sense of motivation, positive mental attitude that you're going to go in today. And this is going to be a great day. Talk a little bit about that, because it was something that really resonated with me when we were up there. And I wrote it down on a piece of paper here on my desk. Yeah. And I think Mark nailed it, right? It's lonely at the top. It really is. There's a lot of benefits to it, but man, it's lonely at the top. And 
I haven't missed, when I was building the business in the first five years of me building the business, uh, just by myself, one man shop, you know, I took seven days off in five years. Five of them were for Christmas. Now, did I have some days where I wasn't focused or motivated in those five years? Absolutely. Was I sick some of those days? Absolutely. But when you have a purpose, and now I remember being by myself, my mentality was I already had a shop. I already had a shop and there's people looking at me. There's eyes on me. But what I do is every morning when I walk in, I go to everybody's desk and I look them in the eye and say, good morning. How are you today? Are you motivated, dedicated, excited? Right. And a lot of times they can hear me coming through the, in the building. Right. Because and, and they know and I see it in their eyes when they're having a bad day. And that's when I actually laid on a little bit thicker. Right. To just snap them out of that mindset. But do I want to do that every single day? Not really. Do I want to be pumped up sometimes? 100%. And I tell my folks, I said, you guys, you know, you're a leader. It's just because you're maybe not in charge of people here at the office officially doesn't mean you're not a leader, right? We're leading our families. We're leading our church groups. We're leading our businesses. We're leading our friends. You're always a leader. Um, today, I was actually having a rough morning. So I pulled into the parking lot and I just sat there for about 15 minutes and just gathered myself. I gathered myself uh, because I will never let them see me having a bad day. Right. I will go home tonight. When I hit my closet, I'll sit in there by myself, yell, scream, cry, whatever I need to do. But when I come back out and my kids see me, daddy's always pumped up. He's always excited. He's always positive. So that's one thing that we, I think leaders have to take a little bit more seriously because everybody wants to be called a leader, but it's lonely at the top. It really is. A lot of responsibility there. And and I think one thing we learn in the Marine Corps that I have tried to instill in myself uh, in business is, and Mark, Mark mentioned it earlier, and it's a big deal in the Marine Corps, is a big deal in the Marine Corps, and that's fraternization. And there's this fine line that you have to walk with your people and your organization between being that leader that they need to have and being their friend. And with my people here, I have a great relationship with them. I try to be empathetic. I try to sit down with them when I know they're having problems or I can just feel they're having problems, kind of get out of them, whether it's personal, is it on the business side, but I'm not going out to drink with them. I'm not going out to dinner with them on the weekends. I'm not fraternizing with them, you know, five, six clocks, whenever we leave at night, I'm going my way and they're going their way. And it's, it's sometimes that's a fine line. Sometimes that's a tight wire to walk, but that's something that maybe Aaron, you can talk about for just a second in the Marine Corps. And Mark mentioned it earlier. You're both Lance corporals. And now you pick up meritorious promotion to corporal. Well, Technically, you're not supposed to be running around with them, especially if you're an officer. You're not supposed to be running around with enlisted. Talk a little bit about that, Aaron. Yeah, and for me, I got, you know, I was uh, promoted really quick. I went into boot camp, you know, with, with a couple of college credits, and I was a PFC out of boot camp. Uh, I graduated number one company honorman uh, out of MCT out of like 300-something Marines. I graduated number one. So I was a Lance Corporal when I get, before I even got to the school. So I got to school as a class leader. I, I couldn't get another promotion. I took a uh, meritorious mass for that. When I got to the fleet, I was a pretty salty Lance Corporal. So I, uh, at a year and eight months in, I picked up Corporal. 
time of grade, time of service. The sergeant, right at three years. So I was smoking through that. And you get to the fleet, and there's people who who have made mistakes, and we all made them, but they're a you know third award PFC, which means right. they, they've lost some rank through some you know disciplinary action, things like that. And and you know, while I you know, they used to call me cardboard camis and my spit shine boots. Ooh. You can hear me coming. My my camis before they don't like now they, I hear you can't even iron them or whatever. But I was crispy. I was starch. My I had the Carolina the boots that were all at the top. It wasn't toe and heel. It was that whole boot was glossy, baby. Anyway, I took pride in it. I wanted to have that that leadership and lead by example. And and I think it was for everybody. I wasn't just trying to impress, you know, my peers, but even, you know, my, my, my subordinates and people who were above me, Hey, I, you know, give me a shot at some other leadership. But I think there's, is a fine line between learning how to share my experiences, what I've learned very quickly. Cause again, I got promoted very quickly with some people who were trying to figure out who are probably going to stay in the Marine Corps longer than I was that wanted to learn how I was doing and adapting so quickly without you know, dap them up and, you know, invite them over the house. And, you know, I, again, I had a house off, off base. I had comrades. I had, uh, I had BAH, I had all that stuff. So I had a house out there because I got promoted and, you know, that invited people trying to get out of the barracks and come to my house. Well, that works unless it bleeds over to the, you know, what I'm until, telling you. Until it doesn't. <laughs> until it doesn't. Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I was guilty of having a few parties in my house, but it, it wasn't all the time. It was for special events or whatever, but uh, things got out of hand a couple of times. And, you know, we always say in that first sip of alcohol hits your lips, your rank is done. Yeah. You're not Sergeant. You're not Lance Corporal. You're not gunning nobody. You're John or whoever your first name is and your last name. But I think a lot of the fairness that we learned in the Marine Corps in the Marine Corps, we don't have colors of people. We don't have blacks and whites. We have green. We're all different versions of green. We're all a different shade of green. I think uh, if the, the civilian world or the population of the United States would act more kind of like the Marine Corps, I think we'd have a little more uh, civility and understanding with one another. But, you know, I think that the people who, who try to get something from a, a, who's, I guess, a, a subordinate group, I think they need to realize what they did to get where they are and go, you know, I'm not looking back and saying, Hey, I want to be my friends, but I'm trying to progress on the journey of leadership and growth. Right. So one thing I remember about the Marine Corps, that's going to jog your, you guys memory. And that's probably something you may not have thought about in a long time. And it's something that I think about a lot in our agency here. And I've tried to incorporate a little bit of this in our agency is the Marine Corps rule of three. Boom. Mark just about fell out of his chair. He was like, oh, my God. And it was something I remember as we went through boot camp and I went through school of infantry. Uh, there, there has been, I believe, a book written on this. But the Marine Corps history, throughout history, they've always used what they call the rule of three uh, in a lot of what they do. And I think part of what bands us together as brothers and sisters of being in the Marine Corps is I went through the exact same boot camp at Paris Island, South Carolina, as Aaron, Mark, and Daniel did on the West Coast. Exactly. We went through the same rifle range. We went through the learning how to clean weapons, how to take a shower, how to open, you know, all of it is exactly the same. 
So I think that's part of what bands us together is we do have these common experiences that we all went through regardless of which coast you were on, East Coast or West Coast. But then there's that rule of three that the U.S. Marine Corps uses. Mark, talk a little bit about that. I feel like I'm talking too much. Well, no, I got I got something for you, too. What are your thoughts on – so when, when we messed up in the Marine Corps, right, one person messed up, we all had to sit through a period of instruction, right, right. or you're all getting thrashed. You know, everybody right. does it. And my – my thought process behind that is that made us tighter, right? Did it, mm. did it kind of cause some animosity at first, right? You yeah. know, yes. But ultimately, was I going to look out and make sure, you know, you know, Timmy over here, you know, wasn't going to do that again because I didn't want to run. I didn't want to push, right? I didn't want to sit through another period of instruction. And so I've, I've tried to instill that, right? Like, hey, you know, if, if one side of the house is lacking, but, you know, the other side of the house is like, well, well, I did my job. Right. But like I'm trying to create a cohesive unit, you know, not only you know in my life, but like, you know, there's no weak links. Right. There is you know only, you know, poor leadership or or poor accountability. And, and so what are your thoughts on, you know, implementing something like that into your agency? I mean, do people get mad when you say, well, why am I being held accountable for something they did? You know, I'm doing my job. But then, well, why didn't you help them if you saw it before I did? Daniel, take that for me. Yeah, I heard this one time. The the uh, definition of leadership, right, is getting somebody else to do something that they wouldn't do if you were not in their lives, right? And, and that really made a huge impact on me because I think all four of us were a master of self discipline. But the true battle for me is getting this mindset that I have transferred over to the group. But also, I think what they say is the best way to learn something is to teach it, right? Because you really have to know it at that point to teach it. So, you know, we have meetings where we come together and say, hey, look, you know, it's, we're, we're going to share. Um, and it's not anything personal. You know, some things are going to be said, but we get together and share kind of, you know, what went on this week or this month. Or, you know, we publicly address if somebody's not performing at their highest peak. And we're all going to have some tough days. But I think... Being accountable to the group is so powerful, so powerful. And, and sometimes, you know, as you know, we all have busy schedules and, you know, we're traveling a lot, we're not in the office as much. And that's really when the team comes together. And I think that's when you know if you're doing a good job as a leader is when people are somewhat self-policing on their own. But I think without that, you cannot grow. You just can't. And whether it's one... Because there's, a, I always say that whenever there's more than one person in a, in a conversation, whenever there's two or more, there's always somebody being sold. Mm-hmm. I have to sell my wife tonight where I want to go for dinner. Mm-hmm. I have to sell my kids why studying is their job while they're in school. Yep. So, you know, as leaders, sometimes it's not the group. Sometimes we're just not communicating what we want to have happen to them. Um, so accountability is huge. And, you know, if I got into an accident this morning, driving into work, I'm, you know, like everybody else here on this podcast, you know, I'm thinking, okay, what could I have done differently to prevent that? It's not about blaming the other person or blaming everybody else. It's about what could I have done? Right. 
That's phenomenal, Danny. I'm hoping a lot of people take, uh, I mean, pearls, wisdom, nuggets, right? And, you know, know that you can implement this into your agency every day. Um, You know, and Daniel said that if I was to die, you know, tomorrow, can the mission still become accomplished, right? I work for Bailey Family Insurance, you know, and we actually hit that. We go over finances. It's supposed to be the first week of the month, but we have some things going on. And so on our Tuesday meetings, uh, you know, know your numbers. And so we were going over this and talking about succession plans and, you know, talking about, hey, that mission must continue, right? If I am not here, we have a goal. We've got a, a responsibility to not, you know, it's always been employees, clients, money. That's the, that's what we're about here. And, you know, making sure that, you know, hey, everybody's holding each other accountable because, you know, we're in this for, for everybody. You know, if, if I go or if, you know, personal lines goes or commercial lines goes, you know, we can step in, continue the mission, uh, you know, and continue to push or, you know, what, and, but if I'm failing, I need them to tell me and I need to be held accountable. And that's what I'm hoping that, you know, people can take away from this, that, you know, the cohesive, that team member, you know, that one team, one fight mentality rather than, you know, taking it upon themselves. And, you know, that's what we look for in, in trying new hires, right? You know, are you selfish? You know, because I don't want that culture on my team anyway. Right. So uh, that was perfect, Danny. Thank you. So the rule of three, guys, every Marine has three things to worry about. And from an organizational structure, I'm just explaining what the rule of three is in the Marine Corps here. So a corporal in the Marine Corps has a three-person fire team, right? A sergeant has a squad of three fire teams. A lieutenant and a staff sergeant have a platoon of three squads, and so on and so on, all the way up to the generals that are in the Marine Corps. I like to call them the politicians. (laughs) So that's the rule of three in the Marine Corps. And you see it a lot in the Marine Corps rule of three, Aaron, you got anything with that? Yeah, I, I was thinking, I live the rule of three. I've got three daughters. The, the, <laughs> the, so Aubrey since day one was been my best friend. The moment she opened her eyes, she was, was team, team daddy. My middle one, Eva, she didn't really acknowledge me till I was, till she was two. Uh, the third one, Lily, she's kind of coming around and, and I think by about two, she was full team daddy. Now they're all team daddy. So we all have to use that persuasive nature about being like Daniel says, being sold to get something accomplished. The good thing about these, these three individuals, they're mine. I created them. They're my children. I can influence them heavily on what they're going to do and not do it. They're multiple right now. So I think that rule of three does work perfectly for my life, but also it keeps the communication tight. You know, we have Slack in our agency or I could just yell either way. Uh, if these people need to hear me, it's, it's a smaller group that keeps things tight. There's no lack of communication. I can get up and make sure it's taken care of, or, Hey, this is what, you know, and, and these are not things I've perfected. These are things I'm aware of, but uh, I, I need to be better at keeping my communication tighter and more concise uh, people outside would probably acknowledge that and say, you're right. But, uh, I think the smaller your group is the tighter, the cohesive and the culture can be and the communication right. seems to be more effective. So here's what Inc magazine wrote about the rule of three, the functional version of the rule of three dictates that a person should limit his or her attention to three tasks or goals when applied to strategizing The rule prescribes boiling a world of infinite possibilities down to three alternative courses of action. Anything more, and a Marine can become overextended and confused, 
the Marine Corps experimented with a rule of four and found that effectiveness plummeted. I love that, man. I've always strived to, and again, it's harder as the, you know, the, the farther up the echelon you get to give three reasons why, you know, this process isn't working. Uh, right. Or if, you know, if there's a, a, a minute, tiny little incident over there and, you know, somebody's head's just, you know, thinking about one conclusion, you know, I'm going to try to give three, right. You started in the Marine Corps, you know, okay, well, Hey, I'm going to give you a negative counseling. There's three reasons why, but also here's three ways to fix that issue. And I guess it is the rule of three, but it, it's simplistic. You know, if I, you, you boil it down and say, you got to concentrate on three things, that's it. Not four, you know, not one, but three. And, and I guess it, you know, it's, just like you said, it's ingrained in my brain, maybe because of military, but also I'm a simplistic guy. I mean, when I got out of the military, I could barely read still, uh, you know, but I could, you know, I could lead. Um, so, you know, I love it. Everything you're speaking to is, you know, and, and just like you said, Aaron, breaking it down Barney style, you know, and Marines, you know, we're, we're trained to take on, you know, as many tasks and save lives. But you know, honestly, we were still young kids and, and, you know, you got, you got to be able to, to build them up and, and explain it to me simple. So this is so perfect. And you know, I wasn't even thinking about this, but this is why it's so important to read daily. Yes. Listen to audio of people who have done it daily. And I wasn't even thinking about the Marine Corps rule of three, but it's ingrained in us. Right. So I just, you know, it's as, as the new year comes, I know what we all do. We start, we sit there, we take a little moment and focus on the goals for next year. Mm -hmm. And I made a video about this. I think it was last week. But in the video, I said, don't focus on 10, 20 things because trying to climb that mountain is, is pretty discouraging. Yep. Focus yep. on about two or three because yep. that seems achievable. <clears throat> and it was, it was my subconscious mind just went there. Right. But I guarantee it that's from the core over 25 years ago. Right. Yep. Love right. it. I mean, Keller, but, yeah, what, uh, Keller, Keller Williams, uh, Gary Keller wrote the book, The One Thing. Right. And so that should just kind of tell everybody out there that, you know, don't look at me, don't look at Scott, you know, Daniel, Aaron and kind of envision, you know, don't look at that social media and envision, the, oh, man, there's a million things going on. I need to buy this. I need to buy that. You know what you need to do is you need to focus on one thing this month. You need to focus on three things for next year and, and knock those out, because I think that that's what the military teaches you. It's brilliance in the basics. Uh, you know, get those systems and processes down, make those basics your master. And only focus on this one thing this month because you can't get three things done in a month, but you can probably get three things done in a year. So I will leave this podcast with this. I got two things to say. Number one, I decided that I wanted to give my talk at the One City World Tour. Shout out to our sponsor, Glovebox, for helping us put that on. But I wanted that talk to be on leadership because I feel like there's a pandemic in the insurance industry regarding leadership and i feel like the insurance industry from an agency perspective is probably one of the only careers that a person can choose that has the least amount of leadership training in it and aaron said it mark said it everybody starts out a lot of people start out on their own by themselves in one room and I feel like there's just not a lot of leadership training available in the insurance industry because what happens is Daniel is working so hard to provide for his family and he's doing insurance when he starts part-time and he's doing it all on his own. And then he hires maybe one person later on. And then one day 
all of us wake up and we we're like, son of a bitch, I got seven people working for me now. But it happens to everybody. It happened to me. Like one day I just woke up and I was like, God, I got five people working here. But there's no formal leadership training for young agents that opened up their own shop less than scratch. Guys like Bradley Flowers, you know, opened up his shop first day. He had, I may think maybe one or maybe two employees. But there's no real leadership training out there. And it's why I chose leadership as my topic at the One City World Tour, January 20th and 21. I hope you guys will join us there because I think it's something that's desperately needed. And the opening topic I'm going to have up on the slide is going to be leadership sucks. And the reason leadership sucks, guys, is because when you become a leader, it's no longer about you anymore. And we all want it to be about us. It's about working. What's up, my brother? My son just walked in. Hey, you need to listen to all this. Sit your ass right there in that chair and listen to this. Leadership, it no longer is about you. And even if you go out and you start your own agency and you've been a producer in another agent agency for some period of time, you're probably going to be by yourself. And I just feel like that's an area where we need to have more training and we have, need to have more people like the four of us getting out there in the, in the world of insurance and doing keynote addresses and courses on leadership training, because I think it's something that's desperately missed in the insurance industry because of the way we're just set up because of the way that this whole thing just kind of shakes out. You know, if you went to work for uh, general mills or a large corporation could be anybody, they, as you progress in your job and somebody takes your place, they put you through leadership training. They have leadership courses. Insurance agents don't have that. We don't have $10 million budget to go send people to three-day leadership training courses at some of the best places in the world. Y'all said it earlier. We're, we're on an island by ourselves when we start. And then one day you just wake up and you're like, oh, my God, I got all these people. The last thing I'm going to say, and I'd like to get all of your opinions on this, one of the biggest things I learned from the Marine Corps is the word gratitude. Now, guys, I'm not saying that everybody out there doesn't have gratitude, but I can promise you the three men on this podcast right now understand the word gratitude because they've been put in situations that are bad, not real good, or been yelled at for 13 weeks by a drill instructor. And when you get out of the Marine Corps, there is this sense of gratitude for everything you get and everything you have because you don't have it while you're in there. Mm -hmm. Daniel, would you like to expand on that? Well, you know, and I think it's all become, comes down to mindset, your attitude. And I mean, look at our lives now, folks. Look at our lives now, right? How lucky are we? I mean, I come out to the office every single day excited. I go to sleep to wake up, right? It's sometimes I wake up at three o'clock and I'm just so excited. I, I, I can't go back to sleep. I just want to get up and just get the day going. And I, I think that's right. And a lot of things I learned in the core, a lot of things of, uh, you know, just getting my B or PhD on the street, right? right. That's where I, that's where I, you know, got learned everything on the street, man, just figuring things out on our own. But always being thankful because we could always have less, right? And I think we all here know what it feels like to have too much month at the end of the month. <laughs> We've been there, right? You know, so to look back and, and, and it feels like forever, but it happened just like that, it did. just like that, 
Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, we are all blessed. Um, and just, just to know the three of you and know that I can pick up a phone and call you at any time of the day, you know, Monday through Sunday, if I need something, I know my brothers are there and that in itself, right. Gratitude is everything. Mark, buddy, gratitude, man. Um, you know, I think it's, it goes back to the, you know, another, another saying, right. You adapt to overcome. I mean, going from, you know, walking the streets of a foreign country to just being handed, you know, I mean, for lack of a better term, you know, you know, fatalities, you know, children, you know, deceased and, and to sleeping in the dirt for, you know, four years, it kind of made the, the thought process of starting this agency, you know, when we were myself and my wife, you know, day one, just putting quote sheets on my desk and going from there. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, I don't know how we're going to make it, you know, and, and, you know, you take that as a, you know, as a, a provider, you know, a husband, a wife, and, you know, you put all that on your back and, you know, you just say that, you know, I'm, I'm going to figure it out, you know, we're going to do this. And, you know, then, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I'm working with some of my best friends in the entire world, you know, and, and just to know that, you know, Hey, you know, I might not be sleeping on, you know, the, the, the Tempur-Pedic or, you know, driving my yacht yet, but, you know, what's better than sleeping on the ground. Um, I know what, where I have been, I know where I'm going and I know that I'm taking my team with me and every day I wake up and I'm just so freaking thankful, but you know what, if, if everything, you know, went haywire and I had to start over again, I'd sleep on that ground for another four years because it taught me a lot of lessons and I'd build the team back up and I would work with my best friends and, you know, cause it's a war out there, you know, it, the business really is a war. Mark, thank you. Your internet messed up on us there aaron robertson so i'm gonna go right just back to when you were talking about leadership one of the things i think i don't know that the 250,000 agents are even thinking about right now i've been thinking about this a lot the people that are going to be coming into our agency grew up staring at an iphone they're walking around with earbuds in they're not they're not looking at the outside world they're worried about what's right in front of their face and we're going to have to figure out how to lead those people yep because they're typically looking at what they want they're listening to what they want they're not even absorbing what's happening around them that leads for a very in the marine corps a very deadly situation in in, in the business world a very uh unprofitable but, but the gratitude i think that I, I, I keep uh, on the back of my business card. It says the mightiest oak in the forest was once just a little acorn that held its ground. And, you know, start my insurance career. And, you know, my first 12 months in the insurance, I made $9,000. I've heard Daniel say, you know, he went and split a Subway sandwich. And one day when we go sell our agencies for millions of dollars, I want to go split a damn Subway sandwich with you, Daniel. <laughs> um, and then we can go have uh, a Korean barbecue. But, uh, yeah. I, um, I'm very grateful. My father yeah. lost his job in U.S. Steel. We were, we had everything we needed, not everything we wanted, as he says, and, you know, grew up on food stamps and the insurance business has given me an opportunity to provide for my, my family something I've never laid eyes on, never the comfortability that I have now. It's not where I want it to be, but I'm, I'm going to get there, but you will never get me off that scent. I'll never stop because I have been through worse shit and, yeah pushed on with a grin on my face because I could look to my left and to my right and see the Marine in front of me and the side of me and my left and right doing the exact same thing I am, which gives me strength because I can look at Mark, Daniel, Scott, Bradley, and all these people and go, hey, they're doing the same thing I am. You don't think they have problems? Yes, they do. Suck it up and get through your shit and let's go sell some insurance. Absolutely. Hey, Mark, before we get off here, I want you to talk a little bit about your 
the foundation that you're looking to possibly get going. I know at one time had some issues with it, but I, I want to bring it up because um, it may be something that we as a collective group in the insurance industry can become a part of. So talk a little bit about that before we get off the show today. So we had um, originally coming into my insurance career, uh, well, independent career, uh, we had kind of teamed up with a group of you know, philanthropists, entrepreneurs, you know, in the area and decided to make uh, Operation Fight Better on Homelessness. Uh, we unfortunately, we had a big concert, man, we had many kiss, so a little, little tiny kiss. Uh, so, yeah. you know, a bunch of, you know, like small people. I don't, I'm, I don't know. I'll be PC on that one. Um, but, uh, but what, what it was, was it was again a mission, right? And it was a vision. And we wanted to grow this thing uh, and provide money for veterans that are sleeping on the streets. Um, you know, you can go from serving your country, sleeping on the ground overseas, but when you come home and now, you know, now, now you're panhandling, right? Um, so our biggest thing was we were going to start building tiny homes. And, you know, we fell into a lot of trials and tribulations uh, with that early on. We actually had a mortgage loan officer, uh, you know, go figure, go rogue. That was back in you know 2017 when we were feeding leads, uh, internet leads to them. Um, but that is a passion that we want to get off of the ground again. Um, I know that many of you that are listening have similar circumstances in your cities, uh, right? There's organizations out there that can help them. But, you know, as you know, insurance agents, we are extremely fortunate, right? You know, you're making residuals, you're making income. We need tax deductions. Uh, so that is something that we are looking to, to try to get back into, you know, and the start or mid of 2022. Um, so again, Operation Fight Better and Homelessness, uh, it did go kind of haywire when we had a mortgage loan officer go rogue, did a lot of dirty things, robbed the entire account. His, um, you know, which was the only, the, I say only the tune of $5,000 before he was caught and apprehended in another state. Um, so that was something that we, you know, had to do a lot of uh, public apologizing for, but you know, that, you know, the mission has to continue to go, right? We've got people that are counting on us, um, you know, people that need our help, uh, you know, brothers and sisters that, you know, kind of lost the way. But we talked earlier on about PTSD, Right. You know, we're all suffering from it, you know, no matter if it's from your childhood, from a war incident, from a motorcycle accident, what it is. These people need us. Uh, so, again, you know, Operation Fight Better Homelessness. I'll give more information to Scott as we continue to try to, um, you know, relive this and, uh, and get it kind of up and going again. That's fantastic. Man, there's nobody I'd rather be doing a podcast with than the, the three of you. And uh, until you go through it, you just don't understand. But I just appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, buddy. Love you, gentlemen. Daniel, give these insurance agents one thing. You're you're the best of us at this. Give us one thing, one motivating thing today that they can get off this podcast and go back to their agencies and be better insurance agents today. I just made a video about this yesterday. The minute you decide, the minute you plant your flag, the minute you commit to your life, your kids, your wife, and your goals, just know that everything is going to go wrong. When you really, really commit, everything's going to go wrong. Nothing's going to go right. You're going to have to start over and over and over and over again. But just stay true to yourself, your family, and just know that as long as you stick it through, it will happen. A lot of people quit just before they're about to turn that corner. And it's a shame. It's so sad. You got to give it one more day. If you're going to quit, just always quit tomorrow. That's it. I love it. I, I tell myself all the time that about a lot of things. I'll quit tomorrow. That, 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 I need to get that tattooed on me somewhere. I'll quit tomorrow. <laughs> because whether it's weight loss, smoking, working out, I'll quit tomorrow. 
business, insurance, I'll quit tomorrow. Uh, the game of business is not against each other, guys. The game of business is who can outlast everybody else. And that's that's the game you should be playing is how long can I play this game for? Um, I just appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here. Mark, uh, we'll do something to get your foundation back up and going here, okay? I'll, I'll help yes, you sir. out with that. Yeah, same. Then, Mark, anything you need from us, please let me know. I'm, I'm in Yes, Absolutely. Sir. As I end every podcast, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your asses out from behind that desk today. Remember what Daniel Song just said. Quit tomorrow, but not today. And say that every day. And some days you're going to feel like it. I'll promise you. There's a lot of days I have here that I want to quit. But remember that. Go out and make money for your family, for your wife, for your kids' college fund, for your husband and wife and your your parents that are out there struggling right now, go make money for them. Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Men, have a great day. Thank you so much for being here. Number five, Marines. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast and we love each and every one of you. Thank you for being a part of our family and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.